You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. And when you've got teens or tweens, you've got kids growing up in this complicated world, you may be seeing a lot of anxiety. And that is no joke. And so I have a really great guest here who works with teens on a regular basis to help them really manage their anxiety. So if you are a parent of a tween and teen, you need to listen because your teen is probably facing some kind of anxiety right now. And we need to understand whether or not it's normal, if it's everyday stress, or if it's a problem. So I want to welcome Dr. Melanie McNally, and she's a licensed clinical psychologist who helps Gen Zers become the superheroes of their life stories. Oh, I know so many that need to be the superhero of their life and not wither away and hide away. And she provides online support through teletherapy and coaching, which is online programs and books that teach Gen Zers how to build self-confidence, manage anxiety, and achieve their goals. Dr. McNally founded Therapy Bootcamp, an app-based psychoeducational service for Gen Zers to to get therapy tools delivered right to their phones. Wow, that is so great. Dr. Melanie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. 
I am too, because this is a topic that's also really close to my heart with my own two teenagers. And they have really struggled with anxiety. One has struggled all the way along. The other one, it's new for him. It's new for us. And it's kind of taken us by surprise. And so let's talk about what's going on with kids right now. Why are kids more anxious? And then I want to talk to you about whether or not that anxiety that they're feeling is normal, or if it's something that we need to address. Yeah, definitely. You know, so as far as today and anxiety with youth today, I think, you know, there's youth today are faced with an onslaught of information that a lot of parents and caregivers might not have faced when they were young, you know, when they were tweens and teens themselves. So, and a lot of that information that tweens and teens are getting, it can be really stressful, you know, things like climate change, racial injustice, you know, income inequality, gun violence, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the potential for war, they're getting that information delivered right to their phone. And that can cause a lot of stress and anxiety. And on top of that, they're also getting images through social media that are filtered upon filter upon filter Mm. of people's highlight reels. So they're getting these images where, you know, it's basically somebody who's altered themselves so much to look a certain way and showing themselves at their absolute best. And the tween and teen feels like they're never going to be good looking enough or smart enough or social enough or popular enough. So it's like, you have a combination of, you know, all of this extra information coming at them combined with all of these altered images and highlight reels that they're getting that's going to contribute to some pretty poor mental health that includes anxiety. Yeah. Wow. And I'll be honest, I'm not above feeling a little crappy when I see some of those highlight reels and I'm like, oh, great. Okay. You know, like, wow, (laughs) that doesn't make me feel great, you know? And also I think we're in a, we're, we're in this place too, where, yeah, the access to, to information that is really stressful. You know, there's an ad that's playing right now and I don't even know what it's for, but it talks about in my area that there was this heat dome over the summer. And there was, there was a heat dome where I live and it was extremely hot. So it was over 40 degrees or hundred degrees, uh, depending on what system you use for, uh, for measuring heat. And it was, it was excruciating fast forward six months, that entire area was underwater. So major flooding, this heat dome. And so it's like heat dome, right? And it's scary. And it talks about climate change. And just that one ad makes me feel anxious. And I don't have that much more of my life to live compared to my kids. And I think, oh my goodness, like that stresses me out so much. What about them? Right. And that's just an ad that you're seeing, I'm assuming on TV, if you think of, you know, what they're consuming, they're on Twitter, you know, they're on Snapchat, they're on TikTok, where they are getting little blips of that one ad, you know, they're getting 10 or 15 seconds, but a whole bunch of them constantly. And then depending on the algorithm and what they're choosing to linger on, they might get more of that type of content pushed at them. 
And it gets really hard to decide when to walk away from that. It gets really hard to decide if that information is real or not, if it's correct, because a lot of times we know that people are consuming information that is completely inaccurate, but they're not quite equipped to make that that distinction. You know, even adults, we look at adults who have a hard time making the distinction between accurate information and misinformation. That's adults, you know, that have- Maybe we have gone. a fully grown brain. Sorry to talk over you. We have a fully grown brain and our teens still are evolving and growing and developing and they don't have the full resources of critical thinking and rational thought and the ability to really, you know, understand what's really gro- going on. So yes, this is a terrible problem. Right, exactly. And you know, and it's it's difficult for them and you know, but then on the pro side, I don't want to be all doom and gloom right, because, good. you know, they are, they are building a lot of awareness and a lot of advocacy skills that like I certainly didn't have when I was their age, they are more world worldly than most parents were when we were young. So they are developing a lot of a really good skill set. And it's a manner of making sure that parents are kind of guiding them through that and also monitoring what they're consuming too, to make Mm -hmm. sure that they're not going down a rabbit hole of misinformation or a rabbit hole of um, information that's going to produce a lot of anger, a lot of hate, a lot of feelings of helplessness. And instead, you know, helping them harness some of the, the information that they're getting and harnessing that into, okay, what can we do with that? How can you advocate for, you know, racial equality, or how can you advocate for, um, you know, helping the climate and turn it into something positive too? Yeah, it's really important that we remember that we are modeling for our kids what to do, what to say, and what to think at all times. And we better be really careful about that too. And that's a lot of responsibility. Responsibility that sometimes I don't want, you know, but we have it. We don't have a choice and our kids are watching us. And, you know, when we talk about our responsibilities, I've gotten into this too, right? Where at the beginning of the pandemic, we did have the news on 24 seven, but we just didn't know. We were trying to consume as much information because we were scared, you know, and, and then it morphed and changed and became very informational, but also very political and, uh, And that created such, has created to this day, such a rift. And then when we look at today, we look at uh, the day that we're recording here is, uh, is, is we're in the end of February and there is a Russia, Ukraine war that has just happened. And we were talking a little bit about how Gen Xers, we didn't, Desert Storm was sort of happening in that, in in the time when I was younger. Uh, I don't even remember how old I was when that happened. If you know the year that I'll be able to tell you, but uh, I don't even remember. And I, I remember it just sort of being in the periphery, you know, like, oh, I was kind of alert, like I knew it, but I didn't know all the details. And I remember like shock and awe, but I don't remember anything else. 
And now we know intimate details, but not only do we know all of these details, we see the leader of Ukraine saying, you know, they're coming to kill me. I'm public enemy number one, and they're going to kill my family. And, and uh, whoa, like that's scary, you know, plus the images. Yeah. And, you know, I was just um, meeting with a, a teen client earlier today who was who gets all of her news from TikTok and was talking about all of the videos that she's consuming right now on TikTok are people, you know, filming that are stranded, that are in bomb shelters, um, you know, horrific videos and people crying and desperate and asking for help. And this is a teenager who is getting these videos delivered right to her phone. They're not that old. The videos are, you know, maybe a few hours, if that. Oh, oh my gosh. And just getting that information and the amount of stress and anxiety that that is causing her because she feels completely helpless to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes as, as role models, I'm not a parent, but as a role model for tweens and teens or for parents to be able to say, okay, you know what, we have to put down the phone. We have to do a news fast. We, we can't do the doom scrolling. We have to be able to walk yeah. away yeah. because this isn't productive. This isn't a productive consumption of information. You know, we're not like you mentioned with Desert Storm, you know, maybe our parents were watching the nightly news, kind of getting a summary of what happened, but they weren't getting a play-by-play. Mm. And, and now we're, you know, we get these play-by-plays, we get live updates and the kids are getting the same information. So we have to kind of monitor that. We have to be able to help them walk away, help them, and then turn that, some of that helplessness into, okay, what do you have control over? What is something that you have control over immediately in your life today that you could do right now that's going to help you, no matter how small and how insignificant that might be? Okay. Um, that's, that's, that's so helpful. What do you have control over? Because there is a feeling of helplessness. And even when I watched that ad that I just mentioned, you know, I have to go back to saying, no, but we are really conscious about what we do here. And that's all I can do. And I want to say one, one more thing. And then I want to transition into what is, what is normal anxiety? What is a problem? But you just said a lot of kids or, or the example, someone getting their news just from TikTok. And I'm thinking, I don't even see that. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not even seeing that holy cow, I think I would be so affected by it if I saw a video that was only moments old, hours old, uh, and my kids can see that. That that's that is doom scrolling. Yes, uh, yeah. So that just kind of floored me. I got to I got to be honest that they may be seeing things that we're not even seeing because we're not on those same platforms as them. I didn't know that. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and even I have parents who will have TikTok accounts just so they can kind of be aware of how the app works and things like that, but they're still getting different information than what their kid is getting yeah. because of what they're lingering on, what they're liking. And so you really only know if you have an account that's set up either identical to your kids and you're liking all the same kinds of things, or if you're actually going into their account and you're looking at their for you page, but that's really the only way that you 
you know, that parents can really understand what they're consuming. Or if you have a really great open relationship with your, your kid where you can talk about it, you know, you can, you can make their digital life kind of its own separate entity because it is so important to them. So, you know, how parents will ask like, so what'd you do at school today? You know, who'd you talk to? Who'd you sit with at lunch? Things like that you can think of their digital life in the same way. So what'd you see on TikTok today? You know, what kinds of videos like, you know, whose, whose TikToks did you comment on, you know, and ask questions about those things, but then make the conversation very non-judgmental, very open so that they feel free to actually share with you. Because if they're like, oh, I like this one dance and and then they want to show it to you and you laugh at it and you're like, oh my God, I can't look at what that girl's wearing. That's so inappropriate. Just slam the door. They're not going to share with you ever again. Conversation ender. (laughs) Conversation ender. Yeah. And you know what? What I know for sure is everything comes down to connection, connection with your kids that strong relationship, that strong bond. And you build that all through the years up to and including those teen years. So let's, there is hope. And so we've talked about a lot of ugly things and, you know, you and I both know there's hope because these kids can get better. They can see that life is worth living and have a joyful life. So let's just give parents an idea of like, what is normal anxiety and what is just everyday stress and what is harmful? Let's just define that for everybody. Yeah. You know, whenever we're thinking about anxiety, we have to consider that there's a line where anxiety is helpful. And then it kind of crosses that line over into harmful. And that's for everybody. You know, we know that a little bit of anxiety is good. It motivates us. If I'm anxious about a presentation I have to give in class, I'm more likely to prepare for it. I'm more likely to rehearse, to do a little extra preparation. That's healthy anxiety. It's pushing me. It's motivating me. But if I'm so anxious about it that I can't sleep the night before, I have stomach aches, I can't eat, I get to school and I completely freeze where I can't even give the presentation, that's when that anxiety has crossed the line into harmful territory. So that's how we can kind of think of it in general, you know, is this hurting them? Is this harming them? Or is this something that's helping them and motivating them? And we always look at the areas of functioning for tweens and teens. They're, they're big areas of life. You know, academic is a big part of their life, social, physical, and how is it impacting them in each of those areas? So if they're anxious about making friends and that anxiety prevents them from attending a party they were invited to, it's negatively impacting their social functioning. So that anxiety is hurting them. But if they're anxious about it, but maybe they decide like, you know what, I'm going to go with some other friends so I don't have to arrive alone. Or, you know, mom, I'm a, can I text you at any time if I need to be picked up? Like they're still going outside their comfort zone. They're still doing something that's scary, but they're doing it. Then, okay, then anxiety, it's present, but it's not harming them at that point. So we always want to kind of consider that line. And that line might look a little different for different kids too. For some kids, that line might move over a lot more 
You know, they might, their area of helping, of helpful anxiety, that area might be small and that area of harmful anxiety might be a lot larger. And then we have to teach them how to move that line over a little bit. So it's a little more balanced on both sides. Right. Okay. Uh, So how do we help them deal with this if they are at the point where the anxiety isn't motivating, it's paralyzing and we're in the moment where the project is due and they're, they're at home in bed, unable to get out and unable to do it. Yeah. So if it's, if it's to that point where they're, they're not able to function at all, they're not able to just face the thing. You know, first one thing we can do is look at, can we break this down into baby steps? Hmm. So can we first just get them focused on getting out of bed and maybe eating a snack or getting out of bed and, you know, taking the dog for a walk, just one little baby step at a time. Once they do that one step, okay, what would be the next little baby step that would get them closer towards working on that project and seeing if we can just do one little thing at a time. But one thing that's really important for parents is when you're trying to figure out those baby steps, or even if you're trying to figure out what's wrong, you want them to talk to you and you want to clarify before they even start talking. Like, is this a situation where you just want me to listen Or do you want me to do some problem solving? Because that makes a big difference because sometimes kids just want to talk and they just kind of want to share. And you'll hear, even as they're sharing, they're kind of working it out themselves. And other times they do want you to jump in and problem solve. And I know you're nodding because I'm sure you experience that a lot with your boys. Like it's like it, but it's important. It's important that we make that distinction for them. So they feel like they can, they can just share and vent if they need to. And we have to be really careful that we don't lecture them, that we don't try to teach them that we can just sit and bear witness to their pain and listen, let them know that they're heard. Those things seem so simple, but they are majorly important. They are. And it really isn't, you know, like you said, it seems simple, but it's really not. And it, and so many people have such a hard time with just listening and just letting somebody else be uncomfortable, you know, and a lot of times people want to jump in and save someone from their discomfort, but that is such a disservice to that other person because they're not learning how to tolerate their own discomfort. And I think what also happens and tell me what what you think about what I'm about to say is that those teen years are so scary for us as parents, because we know that just around the corner is independent life. And so we say, okay, well, if you can't be like this, you know, if you have a job to go to, then you can't just stay in bed and forget it. You know, say, I can't work where you're never going to have a job. Well, how are you going to pay your rent? How are you going to pay your bills? You're never going to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, like, right. And I see my husband doing this all the time because he really struggled in his teen years and I see his own anxiety and he just can't help himself. And I was like, so, okay, I'll leave it there. Yeah. But no, you're totally right. That sometimes the own parents anxiety 
gets it thrown on top of the anxiety that the kid is already feeling. They're already anxious. And now they have a parent yelling at them about how they're going to pay their own taxes. Right. You know? and it's like, we're not there yet. I'm actually just still only 13. I got a lot of, I got at least 10 years of brain growth. I had to be at least, if not more. Right? right. And then you've taken your child's problem and made it about you. You're yes. now the one who's anxious too. So you got to, and I feel myself do this sometimes. I have to sit with my kids when they are this way. And I, I am fighting my own anxiety. I can feel my heart rate. I can feel that I'm vibrating a little bit, but I have to, I have to, you know, in in my mind, it's a little bit crazy town, but I have to say, just be quiet and listen, just it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like I really do say that to myself inside my head. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Just listen, just listen. Right. And it means something to them and know it does. Yeah. And it, and it's so that's such an important skill though, for a parent to be able to do that. I have to do that as a therapist where I have clients come to sessions where their anxiety is through the roof. And I catch myself where I'm matching their breathing and I start feeling really tense. So I immediately have to slow down my breathing because I know as soon as I slow down that breathing, I'm kind of interrupting that physiological response and I'm not yeah. going to cause a cascade of other physical symptoms to develop. So I have to slow down my breathing. I have to kind of ground myself on something. So usually I touch something physical and I kind of like rub it in my hands to just kind of ground myself to here. And then I tell myself in my head, okay, their anxiety is not my anxiety. And I just kind of repeat that a couple of times to create a a division between me and them so that I can hear what they're saying. I can be present for them. I can have empathy. I can listen. I can help problem solve if that's what they need, but I'm not getting sucked into their anxiety too. And now I'm not an anxious mess and making everything worse. I mean, there's nothing worse than that right now. All of a sudden it's like, I gotta, I gotta make mom feel better. And like, but but I still have my problem. Right. So it's so important. And, and, and the thing too, is that if your breathing starts to, to ramp up, right. And your shallow breathing, you know, that sets your, your brain into this fight or flight, or it'll, it, it's, it's our survival system. And so there is a connection between your breathing and your brain that says, when I breathe slowly and deeply, I'm safe. But when I'm really taking in breaths, I'm getting ready for action. And mm-hmm. that when we use those survival level uh, instincts for everyday life, that doesn't help us at all. No, no. And, and people don't realize though, how much that breathing actually helps. I have so many teens who will write it off and write it off. Now breathing doesn't work. It doesn't help me. And I know it's because they just haven't given it a shot. But once people really focus on slowing down their breathing, it really does work. And it is such a quick and easy thing that we can do. It's not going to erase our anxiety. It's not like it's just going to heal everything, but it does reduce it to a level where we're coming from a little bit more of a rational place. Like we're not quite so reactive. We're not quite in that high emotion zone. You know, it can bring us down a little bit and then we can do some other things to then bring ourselves down further, but it's such a good, good first step to learn. 
And if you can remember that in the moment and slow down your breathing, hopefully there will be that modeling too. Do you see that too? When you slow your breathing, the other, your patients. Yeah. And usually it's, it's a, you know, a subconscious thing because we're social creatures and we are wired to match each other. And so if someone's breathing really, you know, shallow and quickly, we're naturally, we're going to start matching their breathing. But if I slow down my breathing, I mean, I had a client once back when I used to see people in the office and she was having a panic attack in my office. And I just sat down next to her on the couch. I didn't say anything, but I just, first I matched her breathing. So I was breathing really quick and rapid like her, but then I just started to slowly you know, change my breathing a little bit without saying anything. And I just started to slow down my own breathing and eventually started to match my breath. And she didn't even realize that we didn't talk about it. And then once her breathing slowed down, then we were able to start to kind of transition into some other things to help her relax and deescalate a little bit, but we're, we're wired to match each other in that way. So if parents can get that skill and learn to slow down their breathing, when you notice that your kid is really anxious and really stressed out, you don't even have to say anything. You can just start to, you know, slow down your own breath and then they might start to match you a little bit. And then once you start to notice they're relaxed, you don't have to point it out to them or say a word about it. But then once they're starting to show that they're a little more relaxed, then you could, you know, see if they're ready to talk or maybe now we need to go for a walk or maybe we need to lay down and pet the dog or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have mirror neurons in our brains, which is exactly what that's for. Again, it's survival. There's so much of what, what is going on with us is a survival mechanism. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, and I, and I challenge anybody right now to, to take some slow and deep breaths intentionally. You cannot deny how much more relaxed you feel. It is, mm-hmm. it is such a great skill to use in everyday life for any situation. So Thank you for sharing all of that. And so I think that, I think that you've really helped us to understand, you know, the, the difference between anxiety being motivating versus it being paralyzing and and stopping us from, from doing things. And, And so when our kids have those paralyzing anxiety episodes, or they're living this way, they need to get some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they need some mental health support, whether that's through a school, you know, reaching out to the school psychologist or a school social worker, they typically have a ton of great resources or they can provide some interventions right there at school. Um, that's a really good place to start or finding a local therapist, um, mm-hmm. Psychologytoday.com is a great website where you can go and um, they have a therapist finder where you can put in your zip code. And um, if you're looking for anything in particular, you can search by insurance, whatever. That's a great directory. But finding some some form of mental health support, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in a show notes. Psychology Today, uh, and then I know there is for Canadians. There's a really great site, Kelty Mental Health, and I'll put that in here too. It's something that, uh, and I think there's, there's anxiety.com as well, um, or .ca. I don't know. I'll, I'll put it all in the show notes. So, so you have some resources, parents, because look, it's, it's hard 
it's really hard. And this isn't the only thing you're facing with your kids. I'm sure, you know, there's so many different things and, and my purpose. And I know Dr. Melanie's purpose is the same is to just help, help your kids love their life, be the superhero of their life. And for parents, my job is to help you have the tools that you need and the, the solutions that you need so that you can grow in your relationship with your kids now and for a lifetime. And so when we talk about lifetime and we talk about our kids growing up and, you know, growing beyond our family and going to be independent and, and different things like that, they're going to have to have some skills to navigate problems and navigate situations that are difficult. And you have something in the parent toolbox that I really want to just take a few minutes to talk about. And it's called helping your child deal with difficult problems. And it's, it's a full workbook. And you talk about how teaching them to solve their own problems versus solving their problems for them is something that is a skill that really can help them for life. So can you tell me a little bit about what your workbook is all about and, uh, and, and how it will help you, you as a parent and your child? Yeah. So, you know, so often I see parents who they have the absolute best intentions, but they, they want to solve their kids' problems. You know, they want to save them the heartache because, they can see the clear path from A to yeah. Z and they know, you know, that they know what's involved in it. So they think, oh, I'll just tell you exactly what to do. But when we do that, we are denying kids the opportunities to learn from their mistakes. We're denying them the opportunity to learn that they can figure stuff out on their own. And that's ultimately what, what we want for them. We want them to learn that, they have, they can problem solve, that they can do hard things, that they are resilient, that they can make mistakes and life doesn't fall apart. So this workbook is kind of breaks it down into the, the three steps to help parents with the problem solving. So it's for parents to help their kids problem solve, but ultimately it's helping parents put it on their kids. So this isn't for the parents to do the problem solving for them, but you're giving them the tools so they can figure out what they need to do to deal with really hard problems. And so it's got different steps that you can kind of follow and a little bit of a roadmap for you and give it, give you a little bit of um, some guidance and some support there, but you're letting them take the lead. You're letting them make the choices. So even if you see, you know, exactly A to Z, you know, the, the path and you see them like, uh oh, they're making choices that's going to take them down this different road. That's OK, because that's really important. That's such an important part of brain development mm -hmm. and a really important part in growth and um, independence. And if they're making mistakes, great. This is when you want them to make mistakes when they're young, when you're there to kind of, you know, shield them and protect them a little bit so that these mistakes don't ruin everything, but you want them to flounder a little bit, to have these really great learning opportunities. You don't want them to make their first major mistake when they're 22 living out on their own across the country and they have absolutely no coping mechanisms, no skills to handle those things. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you're doing a disservice by solving their problems for them a hundred percent. And here's the thing, you know, 
we, because we've lived longer than them, we've experienced pain, we've experienced struggle, disappointment, failure, and we want to save our kids from experiencing that, but we cannot. And that is what life is. And, you know, I like Dr. Dan Siegel talks about pushing and cushion. If you need to push them or be a cushion for them. And, and that's hard to know where to be, but we need to give our kids the message that perfection is not a thing and that to fail, to have missteps is what it is to be human, you know, and, and to normalize your own mistakes, your own failures, you know, like, you know what, I'm having a rough day. I made a mistake, but it's okay because I'm going to do this, this, and this, you know, but it's okay because I know that I have the ability to turn it around, whatever, like normalize it. Right. And the other thing that I want to say is that we don't know what this experience, good, bad, or indifferent means for our child and their life path. This could be an experience that leads them to becoming the foremost expert on addiction, on addiction is the only thing I can think of right now, but you know what I mean? Like this could have an impact in their life that could be positive. So you don't know, don't think that, you know, you just don't know. And it doesn't mean you just accept whatever they're doing, but understand that there is a greater purpose sometimes for, for these situations too. And I think maybe that's more of a spiritual way to look at it. Definitely. I love that way to look at it. That's a great reframe. Yeah. And so I want to just share, you say three steps. I'm going to just share the three steps, but I'm not going to give any information because the juicy, delicious information is in the workbook. And I want people to go to the parent toolbox to download it. And it is, um, it's, it's a fulsome guide. You will love it. I loved reading through all of it. And so the steps are, is to identify the problem then to decide to do something, right? Maybe you don't do something. Maybe you do something. What is that going to be? And then to take action. So, um, you know, and then you also talk about what are the other options and some of those other options are problem solved to let it go, to cope with it and so on. So you give some really great advice here. I want to just thank you for giving this to our listeners, because we will all be better for it. And anything that we can consume to help our kiddos, we, you know, everybody that listens to this is, oh, is a great parent who is dedicated and loves their kids. So I would just want to say thank you so much for this. Yeah, you're welcome. I hope they enjoy it. Yeah. So on kind of a final note, I'd love to leave on a high note, on a positive note. And so is there anything you can leave our listeners with any piece of advice or anything that you want to leave us with that, you know, that, that comes from your heart that you, uh, that you just want to share? I mean, I think for parents, the most, one of the most important things to keep in mind is something that you already said that connection mm. is key and connection is really important. So Oftentimes parents get lost in all of the details of grades and sports and activities, but thinking of going back to the basics of connection and how can we connect more with our kids? What does that look like on a daily basis and taking time away from devices to have moments where we can really be present, have conversations, to have fun to be goofy, 
Mm. Um, and to find little snippets of those things, they don't have to be these huge monumental family dinners every night, but it can happen in car rides. It can happen, you know, in between things, but looking for those little snippets of connection are just really, really important for, for teens and for their mental health. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And it seems groundbreaking, but yeah, let's have some fun, <laughs> like do some fun stuff, right? Let's go, let's go do go-karting or, you know, go do laser tag, something with our kids. that's actually really fun that they love. Right. So yeah. And, and give yourself permission to do that too. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Melanie. Now, where do people find you? Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Melanie McNally. Um, I have a website, which is destinationu.net. And mm-hmm. if you go to my website, you can also find my therapy boot camp um, that I have different cohorts starting at different times, but that's where that's the app-based therapy program for uh, tweens and teens. So you can learn more about that at destinationu.net. That's great. So this is all in the show notes. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your app. How do they get access to the app? Is that through the bootcamp or is that just separate? Anybody can download it. No. So the therapy bootcamp is an app based program for the, so people sign up for it and it's for Gen Zers. So tweens, teens, and young adults, it's an eight week program. So it has a start date and an end date for each cohort. And basically I take them through what I typically cover in the first eight weeks of therapy, but it's all on an app on their phone. Um, and each activity and exercise takes about 15 to 30 minutes. So they only need up to 30 minutes a day. And each week is a different theme. So they'll have a week where they're building self-awareness. They'll have a week where they're working on communication skills, a week where they're working on coping tools. And so whatever the theme is for that week, they have a different exercise or activity to work on that, that theme. There's a group chat where they can chat with me. They can chat with other boot campers throughout it. Um, and it kind of goes through for the, for the eight weeks. That's, that's, that's great. Thank you. That's really, really great. So find all of that at uh, destinationu.net. And I love that you're meeting them where they are. They're on their phones anyway. How about make that a, a healing experience instead of, <laughs> instead of that doom scrolling? Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you so much again. And thanks everybody for listening. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.